0: Many people, especially in Western cultures, often think that being a Christian is identifying with a specific church, denomination, or following a set belief system, but it's more. Welcome to Leading the Way with pastor and international Bible teacher, Dr. Michael Youssef. Up next, a look at the cost of following Christ and how Jesus will never leave those who are His true disciples. Be encouraged as you listen to Dr. Yusuf series, Who's Disciple?
1: Marketing in the business world is a great endeavor. People need to be informed about good products and the benefits of those products. Uh, I'm one of those people who really appreciate good, truthful, integrity-filled Marketing, that's helpful. But the reason the concept of marketing has had a bum rap is because there are many, sadly, who dishonestly advertise. In our society, it's all become about numbers now, in this mass society that we live in. It's all about numbers. Many of today's marketers rely on psychology than on the quality and the importance of the product. Several years ago, I read a story about a country store owner who was really having a hard time getting people to come into his store, let alone buy. And so after a few weeks of struggle like that, a friend of his, he said, let me tell you what you need to do. Go out and borrow as many cars from your friends as possible and park them right in front of your store instead of an empty parking lot. And sure enough, he went out and got all those cars and put them up in the front, and boy, that place became a buzz with shoppers and buyers. Sadly, this consumer mentality has invaded the Christian church with vengeance. This attitude of give people what they want, regardless of quality or integrity, or truthfulness, has become rampant. That's the sad part. There are mega churches that pride it- themselves on being built on self-affirmation. Self-affirmation. I am, I am, I am. And so they no longer sing how great thou art, they'll sing how great I am. Another church advertises and says, it's all about you. You're the most important person in the church. No, you're not. I love you, but Jesus is. Yet, I want to show you from the Word of God, from the Word of God, that discipleship, according to Jesus, for Jesus' disciple, he says the exact opposite, the exact opposite, in fact, you're going to hear from the words of Jesus, you're going to hear him saying to the, a would-be disciple the very opposite of this kind of slick advertising of today. What you will hear from Jesus to be saying that those who want to be my disciples appears to be so negative in a time when people are preaching positive thinking preaching, and positive gospel preaching. And yet Jesus did not have to draw a crowd. He already had massive crowds when he uttered those words, as I'm going to show you from Luke 14, beginning at verse 25. Luke 14, 25. Far from what some want Jesus to be. You know, we have so many people today, even within the church of Jesus Christ, They want Jesus to be what they want Him to be. Far from wanting to be the spineless, milk-toast Jesus. To go along, to get along, Jesus. Just want to talk about the winsome Jesus. Well, here the winsome Jesus become the winnowing Jesus. Now, I'm sure some people would have questioned Jesus' marketing strategy, his sales technique, his willingness not to cater to felt needs, and on and on and on. In the last message, we concluded that the only disciples we make, that only disciples that are worthy of the name discipleship, is when these disciples are the disciples of Jesus. Not the church's disciples, not the leader's disciples, not the pastor's disciples, but the disciples of who? Jesus. Today, I'm going to show you What Jesus is saying, that the first mark of discipleship, the first evidence of discipleship, is an absolute and unquestioned loyalty to Jesus. In the next two messages, I will show you two more, and namely, exceptional love for Jesus and exclusively living for Jesus. Please hear me right. For genuine authentic, real, biblical discipleship to occur. Loyalty to Jesus is the first step. And loyalty to Jesus requires blazing integrity. Are you with me? And I don't need to tell you that blazing integrity today is a rare species. We hear every day of incidents incident after incident of huge deficit, now not of the budget, deficit of integrity. Corporate, top corporate executives cooking the books. Journalists who deliberately, intentionally mislead and propagate fake news. Preachers dilute and water down deliberately the truth of the word of God for the sake of popularity. And they all think nothing wrong with this. Television program after television program glorifies deception and double dealing. And they all think there's nothing wrong with that. No wonder, listen to this please, no wonder less than 13% of Americans, 13% believe that all of the Ten Commandments are applicable today. That's how far we have come. But it all began when the churches have ceased to condemn sin and they accommodated sin. That's where it all began. Here in Luke 14, when Jesus sees this huge crowd following him, I mean, I mean call this is a marketer's dream. Crowd is there. He doesn't have to gin up a crowd. He's got them. He got them. And then you would say, Jesus, get them on your good side first. Jesus, tell them what they want to hear first. Jesus, tell them how wonderful they are. Tickle their ears first. Jesus, tell them how great they are. Remind them that the power is in the tongue. And they, whatever they say, God obeys. Ask them to name whatever they want, and then claim it. And then they will get it. Get them on the hook first. And then kind of, in the middle of the week, do some sort of a Bible study. Oh, Jesus, don't start with the cost of discipleship. Don't start there. Because it's a turn off, right? Don't start with unquestioned loyalty to you. Let them have a skin in the game, right? Don't start with (laughs) self-denial. Talk about self-actualization first. (laughs) Start with telling them what is in it for them first. But with Jesus, there is no misleading subtleties. With Jesus, there is no small print. With Jesus, there is no sugar coating. He spells it out up front. Whose disciple? Jesus. So listen to what Jesus said. If you do not hate your family or even self, you cannot be my disciples. I'm going to unpack this because I don't want anybody here or even those watching around the world who hate their (laughs) in-laws... And say, man, I got an out of here. <laughs> not so fast. Wait until I get to explain the text. Whoever does not hate himself cannot be my disciples. I'll explain that too. Whoever does not carry his cross and come after me, not on occasions, not when they feel spiritual, not when they have a, a petition, a request from heaven, but daily. How often? Daily. And come after me. It cannot be my disciple. Then he goes on and gives us two illustrations. They're really two illustrations that are self-explanatory. The person who builds a bridge or builds a tower, really a house, and because he has not counted the cost of the building, the entire building, he leaves it half done. Or like the army that does not count the cost of meeting another stronger army and they get defeated. Basically saying, Count the cost of discipleship. Count the cost. I told you, it spells it out up front. <laughs> when you understand these words, it will not only lead you into absolute, unquestionable loyalty to Jesus, but it will encourage you to be truthful in discipling others for Jesus. Can I get an amen? In the last message, we looked at the meaning of the term disciple. In the book of Acts, actually, the word disciple and Christian they're used interchangeably. Christian and disciple. Now, I told you, discipleship is not a higher rank. It is when Jesus becomes your savior, he becomes your Lord, and you become a disciple. All at the same time. Now, you might start in kindergarten, <laughs> but you're still a disciple. And that is why becoming a disciple is a must in fact becoming a disciple of Jesus is the only evidence that you are a believer and a, that Jesus is your Savior and Lord can I get an amen? amen now some of you might protest and I understand that listen to me I've been around long enough to know Michael what Jesus is asking here in Luke chapter 14 is extreme this is radical or as kids would say that's rad <laughs> now, you're obviously not being around kids. Another lingo. <laughs> but when you hear the explanation, you understand that Jesus is not calling for an extreme makeover. He's calling for a takeover. A takeover. He is either acknowledged as the only divine, sovereign, king, master. Or not at all. Jesus never suggested that all you need to do is to say just a little simple prayer and then go back to your merry happy ways and you're saved. Please listen to me. Jesus never, never manipulated anyone into making an emotional decision, Jesus never gave anyone a false sense of security. Jesus never taught that the way to heaven is paved on a bit of roses. In fact, in Matthew 7 14, he warned how narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. It's narrow. And you thought narrow mindedness is a derogatory term. Somebody call you narrow minded, wear it as a badge of honor. And tell them that it's another road that leads to heaven. You cannot enter it with all of your deliberate, intentional sin and promiscuity. You cannot enter it. With all of your love for this world, in your heart, you cannot enter it with all your idols hanging on you and on your shoulder. No. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus said again, if anyone wishes to come after me or become my disciple, he must daily, how often? Deny himself. Oh, deny yourself. (laughs) When we're talking about self, 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 this is deny yourself. Take up his cross and follow me. There's one more thing about Luke 14 before I get to it. Here you notice Jesus is not talking about any aspect of salvation. Not here. He does not mention God's holiness, human sin, divine judgment, or his saving work in the cross that is coming. He does not talk about salvation by grace alone, through faith alone. He does not talk about the objective facts of the gospel. No, he is talking about the subjective, the what? Subjective attitude for a radical and extreme faith commitment. And that radical and extreme faith commitment must exist in the heart of anyone, anyone who wants to be a disciple of Jesus. This is not for the faint-hearted. This is not for the fair-weather goer. And I think we're going to desperately need this more and more as we come close at the end times. Amen. I know this is hard, but it's the truth. That's what he said. Verse 26. Here is that extreme radical concept. If anyone comes after me and does not hate father or mother or hate himself even. What's he saying? What's he saying? (laughs) This is important. I want to give you the explanation. I'm pleading with you not to miss it. Jesus was making it very clear. And he's making a clear distinction between redemptive love, which is divine and possessive love which is not. Jesus is telling a would-be disciple that our relationship with our loved ones, with our family members, with all our loved ones, unless that love stems out of redemptive love, unless that love grows out of redemptive love, unless that love stems out of loyalty to Jesus, it will not be selfless love. It will be possessive love. If a love between husband and wife does not flow out of God's love for them and their love for God, at best, it's a possessive love, not redemptive love. And that's why you discover at the very core of all marital problem, there is sin. I don't care what they dress it and how they rationalize it and how they play it. No, no, It's sin at the very core. And sin that is not repented of is disloyalty to Jesus. In fact, you see this very clearly on television. You see it in the movies. You see, Oh, you know, baby, I need you. Uh, baby, I, I have to have you. Uh, I, 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 I. <laughs> Beloved, listen to me. Jesus is saying to a would-be disciple, possessive love is selfish at best. Possessive love cannot be eternal, but the love that flows out of a total loyalty to Christ is deeper and higher love than anything else. The love that emanates from your total commitment and loyalty to Christ will make your love for family and for others to be real and will grow every day. A disciple's total loyalty to Jesus compels him, compels her to exercise redemptive love with all of their relationships. It will compel them to bear witness to Christ. It compels them not to be ashamed of Christ. It compels them to love like Christ. It compels them to be the same person in business as they are in church on Sunday. It compels them to worship him with money and time as well as with lips. It compels us to value surrender more than success. It compels us to value our time with him, our intimacy with him more than entertainment. It compels us to value prayer more than power it compels us to value the truth more than the treasures of this world it compels us to place loyalty completely to him and for him above all else that's redemptive love yeah. otherwise jesus said it would be like a, an unfinished building he would say ah look he calls himself a christian she calls herself a christian look at him look at that building they thought they're going to build a tower, going to build a house. Look at it. Look at. Just only the foundation and few columns, and that's it. Half-built building is mocking to the person who built it. Or a defeated army, because the army never was realistic and looked in their true readiness. Why? Because they have not taken the time to count the cost of discipleship. Because they did not take discipleship seriously. Because they did not take loyalty to Jesus seriously. And remember this, just in case you begin to panic and say, oh my, it's all dependent on me. It's all up to me. What do I do? How can I do that? Let me tell you something. You've seen me and you heard me long enough to know that if it's up to me holding on to Jesus, I would have been lost a long time ago. But thank God, Jesus is the one holding on to me. Yes. Jesus is the one holding on to me. The years are 1977. I'll never forget it. i never forget it. Our eldest daughter, she was two. And she was always rambunctious. And we were downtown in Sydney with my in-laws very busy street traffic. And the grandfather, Mr. Bailey, was grabbing her her arm tight, and she wanted to wiggle away from it. She wanted to wiggle, and she wanted to wiggle, and and she said, Grandpa, let me hold your hand, not you holding my hand. And the wise grandfather said, not on your life, and he grabbed her hand. (laughs) Beloved, that's what God is doing. You come to him, he grabs your hand, he holds your hand, he holds it tight. He's asking us to count the cost when we come to Him. And once we make that commitment, He's going to take over. He's going to take over. He's going to take care of the rest. Why? Because He promised never to leave you, never to forsake you. I'll always remember the moment when I said to Jesus, in fact, I wasn't quite 19, and I was standing in a Christian bookstore. I don't know how, I don't know why, but I remember that moment as if it's yesterday when I said to the Lord, I go anywhere, I do anything, I'm yours. And for the past almost 60 years, it has been the greatest joy ride that I can ever imagine. <laughs> Were there some rough patches? Of course. Were there some difficult times? Absolutely. But he is faithful. And when you count the cost and you come to him and you say, I want to be your disciple, Jesus said, I'll take care of the rest. I'll take care of the rest. I'll guarantee it. In fact, in John 6, he said, those whom the Father gives me, I'll lose none. None.
0: Thanks for joining Dr. Michael Yusuf, for Leading the Way. Do you have faith questions? Well, a trusted Leading the Way pastor or counsellor would be happy to spend some time with you. Start your conversation and look over our comprehensive FAQs when you visit ltw.org Jesus. You know, the worldwide offices of Leading the Way often receive letters and messages through email and social media, with stories of lives changed through the gospel and Leading the Way. Recently, correspondence was received by our international department that brought tears to the team. Let me share a quick excerpt. As a Muslim, I've been searching and discussing topics about Islam with my Muslim friends. After hearing Leading the Way, it put me on a path to know Christ as the one true God. I called a field team and they were able to help me accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now I can say I belong to Christ as a new believer in Him. My family has rejected me for my new faith please pray for them to come to know Him as their personal Lord and Saviour. The Leading the Way Fields team is connecting Him to discipleship classes with trusted partners in the area. Stories like this are an ongoing reality and an encouragement to Leading the Way teams every day. Find out more about the global reach of Leading the Way when you call 1-300-133-589. That's one 589 And that'll get you in touch with one of our ministry representatives. Or visit ltw.org. ltw.org. Well, make plans to join Dr. Yusuf next time when he passionately proclaims more uncompromising truth on Leading the Way.